Welcome to season six of the Get Out of Teaching podcast. This podcast is for teachers who are considering leaving education and need some support. I'm your host, Elizabeth Diakos. I'm a career transition coach and the host of the Get Out of Teaching private membership community, where we support teachers with the resources they need to create a life they love. Find out more at www.getoutofteaching.com. In this season, we'll be speaking with former teachers who have set themselves up in business, as well as business coaches and solopreneurs who can inspire you as you plan your exit, especially if you've been thinking of creating your own business. But I also want to share something with you because many teachers from the United States want to escape the classroom, but have concerns about losing their health insurance. That's where Nate Beer, the insurance pioneer, can help. Nate offers a free 10-minute initial consultation where he can ask you some questions about your health insurance needs and suggest a plan that is just right for you and your family. Any information you disclose is completely confidential and subject to HIPAA regulations. Tick off one of your biggest concerns about leaving education with Nate Beer, Insurance Pioneer. You can book a call with Nate at theinsurancepioneer.setmore.com. Episode 7. Hi everyone and welcome to the show. On today's show I'm really delighted to be speaking with Rosie Shiloh who is the founder of Virtually Yours which is a virtual assistant network for Aussie VAs and she's also an advocate for virtual assistants. Welcome to the show Rosie. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay, so um, you and I met, I'm going to say around about four years ago in a cafe, which um, was just because I just started working with teachers who were uh, leaving teaching and I, and I, um, we were in the same Facebook group called Like-Minded Bitches Drinking Wine. And yeah. in that group, uh, I, I put out the call and said, are there any teachers in here? And you said, yes, I was a teacher. Um, so do you want to just tell us how you got into teaching in the first place and then what led you out? So um, all of the teaching that I've done, um, I've done face-to-face teaching and online teaching. So it's not necessarily like a classroom teaching situation. And it's always been the sort of thing that has kind of cropped up um, just in terms of opportunities. And um, and what happened, it took me a long time to get into it, to be honest, because I didn't really think that I could teach other people. And, um, but, you know, you do so much stuff that you take for granted. You take for granted a lot of the, the, the knowledge that you have within yourself. And it gets to a point where, um, you know, you, you kind of just take that leap and go, you know what, I'm going to start, you know, sharing this knowledge with people and see where it takes me. And I've absolutely loved it. I love and I still do a lot of teaching in terms of through my business and online, um, but I really love being able to shed light on things for people and to see that transformation from, you know, confusion or unknown to that, to just take levelling up, you know, and being ready for the next lesson. So, um, yeah, it was, it was all, it wasn't necessarily planned. <laughs> it just kind of happened. Okay, so what's your background? Like when you first started out working, what did you, what did you do? I was actually working in the disability sector originally um, and working with people who are frail age, young people with intellectual disabilities, physical disabilities. And, um, yeah, I got to the point where I was getting really frustrated with workplace politics and 
the, the things that, you know, the increasing demands, but the restriction on resources that the workplace often will uh, kind of throw you away. Mm. And so I decided to branch out and start creating my own kind of work, my own kind of solution and started working for myself. Okay, so I'm sure a lot of teachers would really resonate with that being under-resourced uh, in their jobs. Yes, yes. And the, the frustration that comes along with that. So how did you start your business? Uh, I I just, well, I went online originally. Um, and as you said before, you know, we've been going for quite a while. So online was very different then. And how to look around. With the type of work I was doing, there was a lot of, I was naturally good at business management. And there was um, a, a little bit of uh, the virtual assistant industry happening at that point in Australia, not a huge amount. But the idea, I was actually, I was a boomerang child. I moved back home with my dad and he was working from home and he actually suggested that there'd be a lot of businesses out there who um, don't want to have staff. They mm. want to have someone who can support them with their the, the issues that they've got in their business but not actually sit there and take up a desk or they even have to look at. <laughs> and so, you know, that can come in, solve a problem and, and go out, which, you know, there's there was real restrictions at that point on how people took that um, idea. So that's changed a lot over the years. Now there's so much more opportunity now to, to run with whatever you want to run with and mm. have less of that um you know face-to-face or you know in-person demand on you oh absolutely I remember when I first started working with my accountant um and he said oh did you meet with the bookkeeper and I said oh yeah we had a zoom call and he was like really uh, upset like annoyed (laughs) and I'm like no no that was my decision I didn't want to have to drive to she lives about a 45 minute drive from me I'm like what a waste of time for both of us like I was so happy just to meet online with her and get it done and then we can go about our lives. So I'm, you know, totally get it. And when I first started this job, I'd invite people into a Zoom call and they were like, what what are you talking about? And I'm like, it's a video conference. I'd have to explain it in the message I sent to them. You know, it's video conferencing software. And, of course, everyone knows what Zoom is now. I don't have to tell them anything. It's great. Yeah, well, the last two years have really helped with that because I've been using programs like this for over a decade. Mm. And, um, and I remember being really weird when I first started using it, but I found it really weird when COVID hit and I realised how many people didn't use um, conferencing mm. software I couldn't believe it and so the the fact that people feel more comfortable with that has really helped and in fact you know my kids now actually um so one of my my daughters she has a tutor so she's got a specialist tutor and whenever the tutor and she's local but if she's unwell or my daughter's home sick from school or whatever mm. she can still do the class because we just instead of going to her place we just make it a zoom call instead mm. Yeah. And then um, just recently I signed them up to a um, kids writing program so they can get there because they both love creative writing. They love stories. And so after school, they hop into a, a Zoom call with the, you know, it's actually WebEx that they do for that one yeah. um, with a couple of other kids and the teacher runs a class that helps them, you know, create their own story each week. And, you know, these are things that we didn't even fathom years and years ago. But the way that we can make our world work for us now or our businesses, our ideas work for us now 
is so limitless. It's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you've, you know, given those great examples. So, okay, tell us a little bit about your the virtually yours side of what you do. Yeah, so um, I everything that I do in my life tends to be kind of, um, you know, about wrapping people up and bringing them into a community. I can't help it. Um, and so virtually yours, which started off with me providing support to other businesses, very quickly became a community. Like when I said I worked in the disability sector, our sole purpose was to reduce social isolation. So people who were living at home and they had some sort of condition that made it difficult for them to connect with other people or get out of their house, our our program was a solution to that. We would actually take the bus and this was sort of like, you know, kind of more your um, uh, outer city suburbs so it was in Eltham so it was very you know hilly oh, like and, hilly and leafy towards, and yeah yeah right. so out towards Hurst Bridge and Warrandyte and all these places where public transport would be a nightmare for these people mm-hmm. as well if they could even consider that and, and it's windy up, roads and dark yes. at night and there's yeah no footpaths windy yes kangaroos all of that <laughs> and so we would take the bus and we would go and we'd pick up all of our clients and we'd either go for an outing or we'd come back to the centre and we'd run programs mm. and And so the whole purpose of it was to reduce their social isolation because the impact of that is so massive. And so I quickly realised that if I'm working from home, running my own business here at my desk, so are heaps of other people and they are all doing it on their own. Mm. So I created a community to make it so that we can feel connected and support each other. And so, and it just evolved, you know, what does the community need? What does it want? How are we going to do that? And so what it's turned into is a, a um, online membership where people can come together to collaborate or share ideas or vent or whatever they need to do, mm. but also have access to webinars, to resources, to coaching. I've got a um, an online course that is for new virtual assistants, so it's quite comprehensive. And also because I advocate for the industry and I talk to a lot of business owners just like you guys mm. about outsourcing, we have a job leads process. So we help business owners find the right virtual assistant support um, so that they can actually, you know, really move forward in their business and not do the things they hate to do or that they kind of suck at doing. So yeah. we've got that process there as well. Yeah, well, that's that's actually how I found Fleur, who's the podcast producer for this podcast. Yeah. Um, I reached out to you and said, do you know anyone? You said, have a look at the job board. And, uh, and Fleur got back to me and I showed her what I wanted. She downloaded a program, taught herself how to use it, did all the things, um, and now she seamlessly manages that side. All I do is just this conversation, and then yeah. she goes off and, and uh, puts it all together and uploads it to YouTube, sends out reminders to everybody, and um, it all works beautifully. And if I was left doing that, <laughs> none of that would happen. So, And I know this because that's what was happening. None of it was happening. So, yeah, yeah, you would create something wonderful. It's this mm. amazing resource for people, but it doesn't get out the way that it needs to and it mm. doesn't connect with people. So it's a huge waste and it's, it's a shame for your audience to not be able to see um, the best of you. And so mm. having someone to come in and make sure that that stuff gets done and some VAs specialise in podcasts and they know how it all works and whatnot. And then there are others who um, are the sort who just know programs and they'll go, you know what, I've not used that program before, but give me a minute. I'm going to go and learn it. She's and been great. Back. Yeah. yeah. And Together just- we've learned how to, so I'm using like a mailing software as well for mm-hmm. my newsletter and it was one that she hadn't used before. Um, and 
it, you know, we taught together, we sat there and worked out how to use it. And our first meeting took, you know, an hour and a half, or whatever. And now we knock it out in 25 minutes and it's cool. great. So yeah, we're very efficient together. It's a really good partnership. I'm, I hope she keeps working for many years to come in that I'm role. Sure she will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, and I, like, I've seen the benefit of what you've created and that community that you've created and the resources that you've put together so that people are able to share their skill set. If someone wanted to become a virtual assistant, what would they need to do? What's the beginning of that process? Okay, so um, becoming a virtual assistant, so that's such a broad term, which is one of the things that I struggle with initially to kind of help people work out what they want to do. It's it's like saying I want to become a tradie. You've got an idea of how you want to support people, mm-hmm. but we need to narrow it right down and work out mm-hmm. how, what capacity. Are you going to be an electrician or a plumber or a builder? What are you going to be? Mm-hmm. So with virtual assistants, it's about looking at what your, your innate skills are, what you're passionate about. And as you know, Elizabeth, you've got to be passionate about it because running your own business takes a lot of self-motivation. You've got to be able to, you know, keep yourself going, get up in the morning. So being passionate about it is, I think, the main thing. So even if you're not great at it, if you know that you want to be, then you need to just go out and fill some gaps, some knowledge gaps, do some training to become ace at what it is you want to be offering. Uh, and then, um, well, so the training that I offer actually helps people work out how to set up a sort of like a business consulting business. So providing business support services virtually. And so the services themselves could be bookkeeping, it could be copywriting, it could be social media management, and they're all hugely different. Or they could be offering that generalist sort of over, overhanging support for businesses because you are, you know, someone who crosses the T's and dots the I's, you get processes, you get software programs. Um, so having an understanding of what it is that you want to focus on first and thinking about what are my knowledge gaps around that and then looking at how you're going to fill those gaps. The first thing that we, apart from looking at, you know, what you bring to the table, what excites you and all that sort of stuff, how you're going to support yourself psychologically with running a business, we look at all that in the course, but we also consider, okay, so these are the skills you have. How do they kind of come together and how can they become a service? Because skills are one thing. You can tell me that you're great at Excel or you're great with numbers or you're really good with words. But what does that mean? What is the service that can come from that and what problem does that solve? And so once you have an idea of what problem you can solve, you can identify who has that problem. So we start identifying who our target market is going to be. So we work through that whole process. So it's the same as running any other business. You've got to figure out who has the problem, how you're going to solve it, Mm. Mm. filling in any knowledge gaps that you have. Okay, so so you've you've kind of got a, I guess it's like a basic training for beginners. Yep. In that, is there also stuff on like how to set up a business, how to become a sole trader, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so we don't offer um, the advice that an accountant would offer you, but we do talk about, you know, setting up an ABN, making sure that you consider trademarks, whether it's trademarking your own stuff or, in my opinion, really, really important, making sure you're not breaching other people's trademarks. So not just diving in there and going, hey, I'm going to become, you know, Daycost virtual assistants and then setting everything up and it's all amazing and then realising, actually, there's a trademark breach there, you've got to start all over again. Um, and then, you know, looking at, yeah, the steps, the, 
the foundations, what your um, agreement documents are going to be looking like, what your onboarding documents are going to be looking at like, um, confidentiality agreements, all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's included as well, yeah. Yeah, great, great. And for the, that kind of work, that's really important too. Yes. You might be dealing with people's internet, intellectual property or their content or, mm. or ideas, patented ideas. So, yeah, yeah really important. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything worth stealing from me. So. Oh, <laughs> Everyone's right. IP is so unique and awesome. And the thing is that if you come, if you come to the party as you, um, people can't feel that. Nobody can do you. And I love that. So just bring your own excitement, your own passion to your business and then you worry less about that. Most of your stuff will automatically be copyright once you've created it. Things are automatically copyrighted. If you can prove that you had created it um, at this certain date, so if it was a video like this, it would have creation dates on it. If it was a blog post or if it was a, anything like that, it's automatically copyright. But trademark is, you know, basically your business name and the brand feel, um, any product names that are going to be a big issue if someone else copies them and it causes confusion in the marketplace. That's the definition. If somebody else has created something, it causes confusion. So your ideal clients are looking at it and they're going, I don't know what's what here. This is so confusing. Um, I had someone years ago who created a business with a name virtually identical to mine, but with a slight change in it. But right. it was so close that even I saw something online and thought it was mine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so what happened then? What did you do? I hired a um, trademark um, lawyer and um, went to town because I approached her originally and just said, hey, <laughs> what are you doing? Can you not? You're breaching my trademark because I have got my business name trademark. Yeah. I have got my logo trademark. You've got to go and do those, but don't do them until you know that that's what you're going to settle with. Yeah. Um, and she was like, no, 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 I don't care. I spent hours on this brand thing. You can get stuffed. And I went, well, actually, what you're doing is illegal and I will take action because I've been running my business for a long time. So your couple of hours kind of is ridiculous compared to my years and years of building up this brand. She was awful. She was such an awful human. So it was very easy for me to get this lawyer onto her who said to her, you need to cease and desist. You need to change everything that you've put out there. You need to rebrand and you now need to pay for my legal costs. So, um, yeah, yeah, she tried to get out of that as well. So I had a debt collector get onto her for that. Oh, my god! It gosh. was a mess. <laughs> mess. Yeah. Mm, yeah. But I wouldn't have had a leg to stand on if I didn't have that trademark. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I had the I when I started my, you know, my business name's Lark Song Enterprises, um, which was to do with a, an old a poem about a lark. Sing the song of the lark is like a positive influence in the world. That's where it came from. But yeah. there's another. There's a coaching company or business in the states called lark's song so it's two separate words mm -hmm. um and i'm like oh are we too close but because i'm really working in that get out of teaching space i think pe people know but i actually met them at a conference in the states accidentally just happened to meet this girl who started this other coaching um company and i'm like oh my gosh it's so cool to meet you and she was really fine she didn't she wasn't upset with me for having a, a similar name but i think they're, they're sufficiently distinct 
and also yes. in different countries. So it, it the was country hard. thing's a big thing. There are virtually yours in other countries. My trademark is limited to Australia. My target market is in Australia. Yeah. I would have to pay, I can do it, but I would have to pay a lot more to trademark internationally. Mm. Uh, and for me, it's not quite worth it. So it is frustrating because obviously with social media, it's, it's universal. Um, so mm. it's very hard to tell what's where. I just need yeah. to make sure that my brand speaks for itself and that it's consistent and that people can identify my stuff easily, that I am, you know, this particular company. So, and I think I do that pretty well. But, yeah, I initially used to get quite frustrated when I'd see, you know, someone in the UK called Virtually Yours, but I can't do anything about that because I'm not willing to pay yeah. what I would need to pay to trademark it overseas because yeah. I'm not trying to attract people. Yeah, so you're working with exclusively Australians, which means that you're it's fine just to be here. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, so tell me, what was the very first, to cast your mind back into the, the mist of time, what was the first thing you did to set up? The first thing I did was, um, well, it was to set up my workspace. Um, I, yeah, we uh, had this. I was really lucky. As I said, I was living with my dad. I was 24 when I started my business um, and I'd had some stuff. I was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, so I'd moved back home. And we lived in Christmas Hills. I was out in the country and there was like a section of the house that was kind of under the house but not because we're on a hill. Mm. And it was so there was a room, but it didn't have proper walls. It didn't have electricity. It didn't have anything. And my dad turned it into a room which was amazing yeah Mm -hmm. so so that was the first thing we did and then I got online I I picked a business name I registered the domain name and the the business name got an ABN and that that was where it all started right so just for the international audience an ABN is like your trading name yes Uh, oh sorry your trading number number that's like your 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 tax file number kind of but for your business yeah so it allows you to conduct business um and then I guess you needed then how how did you work out how you were going to take money um that's a good question I think initially it was just bank transfer Mm -hmm. um so I created I, I set up a bank business account um, I'm not even sure that my biz, my bank account is technically a business account anymore because I changed banks since then. I don't know if it's just a regular account or a business account, but it, it's for my business, solely for my business. No, it would be. It would be a business one because it's under a trust. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then I, I think fairly soon after that I set up PayPal. Right, okay, so yeah. then people can pay through PayPal as well. Yeah. Nice, yeah, because yeah, I think that's... That, for me, that was one of the big things. I'm like, oh, how am I going to mm. take my first dollars? Like, how will I do that? Um, yeah. And so I set up Stripe at the time when I well, – oh, sorry. I, I like Stripe way I've more got, than PayPal now. Yeah, yeah I, I've got I don't Stripe use PayPal for my, my business. Website. Yeah. Yeah, and, I use Stripe now. It's The fees are lower um, and there's less um, – less... PayPal tends to every now and then go, oh, no, we're just going to restrict everything to do with your account until you, you know, give us your firstborn. And – you know, you've got to provide all of this documentation mm-hmm. again before they'll release your money to you. And when you're running a business, that is such a massive issue. Yeah. So where Stripe doesn't do that, once you've said who you are, you've said who you are. Mm-hmm. And, and they just um, automatically transfer it to yeah. paper. You have to go in and, well, at least yeah. I have to go in and move it yeah. to where yeah. I want it to go. So, yeah, it's annoying. Yeah, I highly oh. recommend. If anyone's listening and they're wondering, I highly recommend Stripe. 
Yeah, okay. And and it integrates with your website. I've got it integrating with my website as well. But I also use Square, which was just the, you know, the point of sale. Yep. Um, I, I did it because I was doing online. And I really like that platform, but it wouldn't integrate with my website. So I had to use Stripe. So now yep. I've got like three different, <laughs> anyway, whatever. Okay, all right. So we've talked about that. Um, and so that it sounds like just setting all that up you were so you how did you actually start like what service did you offer right at the beginning um the first um client that i ever had i charged 35 dollars to format a resume that was my first job i had probably spent a few thousand at that point on a computer and um, i think i had a fax back then and a copy like a copier and you know a phone i had a i had a landline and all of that you had to have a landline back then so I'd invested all of this money and then my first client was a $35 resume formatting uh, document job. And I cannot tell you how excited I was <laughs> that first client. And then after that, yeah, I had my first few jobs, formatting jobs. And then I ended up getting some, some more design type stuff, which was a massive learning curve. Mm. Um, but then I actually got my main gig that I ended up having for a fair few years alongside other smaller jobs but I networked locally I got into I've always been as you said community orientated I got into our local rotary club and because it's local rotary club you've got a lot of local businesses that are in it and the one of the the guys that was in that club was the president of our um traders association no yeah traders association or chamber of commerce sorry Mm, okay and the Chamber of Commerce needed someone who had, was tech savvy to come in and implement these ideas that they had around, you know, creating the printable newsletters and creating the website and having a proper database and all that sort of thing. So he um, he took a leap and, and got me on board. And um, as I said, yeah, I was in my early 20s at that point. And yeah, we ended up working together for quite a few years and it was fabulous. So that was a local one. There was elements of face-to-face. There was elements of online and it allowed me to meet a whole lot of other businesses as well. So it was really fabulous. So you you joined the Rotary Club deliberately in order to make those connections. Is that right? No, I didn't actually. I had originally planned to join the Rotary Club because I had spent a few months volunteering in Kenya and in Kenya, I realized that the only groups that really could get things done over there was Rotary. And so I wanted to see how I can support their local Rotary from home. And I needed to join our local Rotary. And at that stage, I'm not sure what the rules are now, but you needed to have your own business to join Rotary. So it was just luck that I had created a business. It wasn't why I was joining it which allowed me to then become a member of this club. I just wanted to give back to the community. But the right. benefit that I didn't see then but was clearly evident very soon mm, was that connection with business owners. Mm. Fantastic. So you you actually, you did what I guess you would recommend to people now is to start creating connections because that's how you're going to grow your business in the end. Oh, 100%. You cannot do this on your own. My biggest advice is to start, you know, building your community and don't look at everyone like a sale. They're not all a sale. You need people around you to help you um, just cope with the ups and downs of running a business. So people you can confide in, people who you admire, who you can kind of model on, people mm-hmm. who um, you can grow alongside. And 
what a lot of people end up becoming when you build that community and that support around yourself and you become a support to other people is that they get to know, like, and trust you, which is the key elements of selling in your business. People Mm. won't buy from you unless they know, like, and trust you. And your community will be the main, main thing that will help you achieve that. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, I love that. And it's true, right? Because that's how how we want, like to do business with people that we feel we we can trust. We've actually just um, we got an air conditioning unit put in in our house oh, a few years ago now. But prior to that, we had a guy come out to quote, and he sounded like he knew everything. Like he was looked really good. He was very knowledgeable very you know and we're like we're going to go with this guy even though we had another recommendation from some of somebody else and this guy turned out to be an absolute shyster like a crook he was we ended up having to take him to court we were not the only victims there's a whole like you know line of victims of this guy and he he just got sentenced to jail the other day so like (laughs) he was he was like a big time kind of you know um con artist con artist yeah but we, you know and we were totally but we totally bought his lies so i think it's i don't know where i went why i'm telling you that story well he hadn't you sometimes we do go with people without having that no like and trust factor because they come to us and they seem to know everything so we've got the we we, we do trust that they know what they're talking about because they've got the gift of the gab mm-hmm. um, but you get yeah. burnt enough times with that you'll start to rely on the you know word of mouth and yeah, feedback from other people. yeah yeah and I guess that's the other thing too that um you know if someone does have that that gift of the gab you need to test that and so how do you test it give them a little small project to start with um and see if that's going to be a good fit so so give me a bit of a, an idea like you talked about being like a copywriter or maybe doing like um, web design or graphic design, what other roles do virtual assistants do or take in a, in a business? Pretty much anything that supports you in business that can be done remotely falls under the banner of virtual assistants. So you mentioned before that Fleur was helping you with your newsletter, helping you with your podcast. Um, so, you know, these are all things, elements of your business that you can go, okay, yeah, I need help with. So it might be brand development, you know, graphic design. It might be, um, you know, making sure that the processes in your business line up. And it depends on what sort of business you have because you have some VAs that specialise in supporting mortgage brokers, for example, or real estate agents. So the knowledge that they bring to the table is totally different Mm. to someone who is um, an online business manager who focuses on managing teams and projects. So it's really, really varied. I've got an ebook. I can give you guys a link to an ebook that's 123 things that you can outsource to a virtual assistant. And oh, wow. so, so, yeah, so that's, you know, that's, I could add to that quite easily. I wrote that a few years ago. It is literally, you know, a list. And the idea of it is to get you thinking about what you're doing in your business that could have help with you know I've got someone who answers my phones for me I get some proofreading done I have some diary management done especially if there's time zones in there I suck at time zones so you know looking at what your strengths and your weaknesses are and finding people to fill the gaps that your weaknesses highlight I love that. I think that would be great if we, so if we could get that and then we can put yeah. a, a link to that resource in the show notes 
for this episode. Absolutely. Uh, and yep. when and yeah, we can also share that um, in the maybe in the Facebook group as well, in my Facebook group, uh, if you're yep. willing, because I, that sounds like a great resource for people, especially. Um, I think there's often a lot of fear around starting something new and going, well, how will I get my first client? You know, how how am I going to make that happen? And yep. so being able to see well, there's all these possibilities and, you know, look at where your strengths lie and then go, well, I could actually help someone with this particular thing. Like a lot yeah. of teachers are good writers and they're good readers. So they'd be great edit. Like a lot of them would be really good at editing too. Yeah. Editing or proofreading or even just like rewriting content. I know like I'm writing the teacher's escape plan book at the moment, which is taking forever, but I have an editor who who's, and he just goes in and just makes my words beautiful and yeah. takes out all the adjectives, which I've, you know, hurts me a little bit. <laughs> but he's like, no, you've got to be, you know, to the point and succinct. And I'm like, okay, I'll take out the, the fluff. Yeah. I'll take out the awesomes and the overwhelmings and the, yeah. Oh, I like those words. <laughs> oh, no, there's a few. There's, I, I'd let a few get in, but, you know, he's pretty good at yeah. making me, uh, keeping me honest. All right. Um, so what other things should I be asking you about how to get this to happen? And maybe also what if someone wanted to become a virtual assistant, what, how do they connect with you to get support to start that up? Well, uh, so as you're talking, I suppose it's not necessarily a question, but something that just came to mind is you know, when you've got people coming to you and they're teachers, teachers, oh my God, the skills um, and what they're teaching is so broad. I mean, they could be teaching something medical versus art versus literature, you know, so many different things. So thinking again about what you went into teaching for, what was it ex that excited you about that particular topic and how can I create something for myself that takes the bits of that that I still love that haven't been stomped out of me yet <laughs> and make it into something new? And you can still teach you know, you can teach online mini courses. If you happen to be a teacher who, you know, is focused on music or art, you can create something that is completely on your own terms that is still doing that. Mm. Um, so, but then also knowing that you are a teacher and you understand the model of teaching, you could be coming in and helping business owners create courses and making sure that they actually, you know, are measurable because that's something that a lot of teachers have a real strength in. So, you know, thinking for, for each individual that listens to this or that's coming through your programs, they've got such unique, they might think, oh, we're all teachers. No, no, no. <laughs> yes, you've got some skills there that line up, mm. but each of you has a unique flavour and you can make it whatever you want it to, to be. Um, in terms of if they go, yep, I want to become a virtual assistant. I actually want to, I don't want to be doing any of that anymore. But what I'm really great at is, as you said, you know, my copywriting or my design stuff or um, even I just want to answer phones, whatever it might be. It could be anything. Uh, and they want to think about how to actually start up that business. If they go to virtuallyyours.com.au, they'll have there's some resources on there. I've got a podcast as well, um, which isn't live sessions at the moment I've been doing mini series whenever I kind of feel like it but there's a block there of the live um, podcast series the original one so what's the name of your podcast Rosie outsourcing mysteries exposed <laughs> sounds very exciting and slightly oh, enigmatic yeah. oh it's riveting <laughs> <laughs> I've got some books too if they like to learn from reading 
And also on the website, you'll find links to a, um, there's a free online training um, intro session that you can attend to see whether or not, you know, you want to pursue it further and you want to pursue it with my help. And, if, you know, it, it introduces you to the, the course that I run and um, helps you sort of decide which way you want to go in terms of learning the ropes, whether that's for you or whether it's not or whether you want to go, you know, find a different type of trainer. Because I think it's very important to make sure that you feel as you grow your business that the people supporting you and um, that you are looking to for guidance and advice, you really need to resonate with them and feel like there's a connection. Uh, so because, yeah, it's going to be much easier that way. Got it. Okay, that sounds that sounds really helpful. Sorry, my neighbor's alarm has just started to go off, so I'm going to mute in a second. Yep. Um, so as we wrap up the episode, Rosie, I'm going to ask you a question that I did not warn you about, yep. and that is what is your favourite song? My favourite song? <laughs> um, I think, you know, at the end of the day, the first song that comes into my head whenever someone asks this um, is Land Down Under. Um, but I think if I think a little bit more about it, I actually really, I really love Under Pressure by Queen. Um, it's just got, yeah, there's just, they're both a lot of fun to sing along to. <laughs> they're both completely different stories. So, yeah, nice. So it's the lyrics and the beat as well. Yeah. I feel like they've both got a pretty that You can beat. really just get up and have fun with both mm. of them, you know, even though under pressure is like, you know, trying to get out and all that sort of stuff. If, if, if it's something that I can really belt out in the car, then it's a song I like. Nice. And I feel like a lot of teachers would really resonate with the word, with the, the, the <laughs> phrase under pressure right now too. So that's probably going to be a top, yes. 10, top 10 for teach, sad teachers. Maybe I should create that. A top ten yeah. song list for teachers. Oh, that'd be so funny! You can do like a um, a poll and everything, and see what comes oh, up. Yes. If there's any themes oh, there. What fun! I love it. I might go and do that as soon as we get off this this call. <laughs> All right, um, Rosie Shiloh, thank you so much for being willing to join us today on the Get Out of Teaching podcast and just sharing your wisdom and hearing your story and how you created your business has been really interesting, and I'm sure will be of great value to the listeners. Thank you again. Thank you. You've been listening to the Get Out of Teaching podcast with your host, Elizabeth Diakos. If you want to hear the conversation that continued after we stopped recording, you'll find that in the After the Bell section of the Get Out of Teaching private membership community, where along with a heap of resources to support you, you'll get access to group coaching with me. Join a community of teachers who are ready right now to plan their exit. Find out how at www.getoutofteaching.com. I've been where you are now and you don't have to do this alone.